you're listening to Digital Disruption, a health wallet podcast dedicated to sharing insights on how you can cut through the noise of a complex healthcare system. So let's go ahead and get started. First, you know, I want to say thank you to our guest, Ryan Coplin. Ryan is the CEO of Health Wallet, and Health Wallet is a mobile service that centralizes all of your concierge medical services into a single mobile app experience. Ryan, welcome to Highway to Health. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to get going. Yeah, thanks for being here. So for those listening, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and then give us some more information on, you know, the challenges in healthcare that you've witnessed, you've probably experienced, and uh, tell us how you're trying to address those at Health Wallet. Sure. So uh, background in, in employee benefits consulting, was a partner in a firm in Austin that built and managed uh, self-funded health plans and uh, did some advisory work. And at the time, running strategy for the firm, so sort of deconstructing traditional health plans uh, and rebuilding them with with a lot of today's buzzwords. Um, and what we ultimately realized is the more progressive that we got with our uh, plan design, ecosystem strategy, et cetera, the more confused our plan members got. And they wake up every day at relatively confused out of the gate. And so we saw the opportunity to uh, leverage mobile technology and and try and simplify that experience for originally our health plan members and realize we had a commercially viable solution that you know, other health plans and health plan administrators could benefit from. And so uh, fast forward to today, that's that's what we do at HealthWell. You mentioned buzzwords. There's a lot of them in healthcare. And uh, so whenever you have a conversation nowadays, you can kind of pick pretty quickly who, who's been around the industry, who's in it. They either use a bunch of those buzzwords or they don't use any of them at all. Usually the sales guys are the biggest <laughs> users of the buzzwords. But one of the ones that you know, is is out there something that I've experienced and, and even sold into, right, is is this idea of healthcare consumerism. And, you know, the expectation of a patient now is to have the same type of experience that they get outside of healthcare. So when they're shopping online through Nike or any other of these big brands, the experience that they get there, um, they expect that same type of experience uh, when experiencing you know, healthcare and looking for the services that they need uh, to maintain and improve their health. Um, tell us a little bit about consumerism. I think, in my opinion, there's a gap there between the expectations of the consumer and then the behavior of their consumer of the consumer. And there's a gap there, I think, that needs to be bridged. And uh, there needs to be a way to educate these consumers, these patients, on what's available to them, so that they're taking advantage of the services that are out there now with digital health solutions. But uh, tell, tell us a little bit about how Health Wallet is addressing this trend in consumerism. And, and then let's talk a little bit about the gap and how we change the behavior, the ultimate behavior of those consumers in the marketplace. The, the most popular buzzword of them all. Um, <laughs> so I think that the thought of applying traditional consumerism behavior in a healthcare model mm-hmm. is something that's not going to line up uh, in a way that's commercially effective because most often, you know, people are, 
are sort of or or their consumers and behavior when it comes to healthcare is dictated by the confines of the benefit programs that they're on. And so, you know, not only do they not know that, but they also don't understand the complexities of the healthcare system. And so, you know, we've done a lot of of sort of partnering with the more progressive plan design strategists in the benefits world, particularly the self-funded commercial plan world, but to to sort of, uh, you know, ultimately define the reason why somebody would have any instinct to, you know, make a shopping decision when, when looking or or purchasing healthcare, it comes down to the metaphorical carrot. Uh, You know, what is ultimately beneficial to my plan sponsor, my employer, my commercial payer, et cetera, uh, is not ultimately going to dictate my behavior, particularly when it comes to healthcare, something I, as a consumer, know little to nothing about. Um, And so, you know, we joke around at Health Wallet all the time. It's hard to herd cats, but you can move their food. If you want to incentivize somebody to change their behavior, then make it free for them to do so or reduce their member responsibility as a function of the health plan in order to do so, which solves for the incentive side of the problem. But the, the complexity of the healthcare system and the lack of understanding around it uh, is the other side of the problem, which you know, we're starting to find health plan or benefit engagement or navigation as a service kind of bridging that middle gap between, you know, where can I get healthcare more affordably from my perspective? And then how does that line up with the strategy of the payer? That's a traditionally a huge disconnect. Uh, and probably the reason why healthcare consumerism is stifled. Yeah, I would agree with that. When you're, you know, even those of us that have been in healthcare for a long time, we understand the down you know, the downstream effects of walking into the ER uh, for the provider or for the payer. We understand, you know, that that's the most expensive place to get care uh, for myself, for the provider and the, and the payer or for the plan. Uh, but still, when you're in the heat of the moment, when you're not feeling well or you have a kid that's not feeling well, it's hard to consider that a priority at right. that time. Really, you're just looking for the easiest entry point to get the care that you need at that moment. That's and, right. and uh, so even for those of us that have been in the healthcare industry for a long time, uh, if it's hard for us, it's not even a consideration for, for most of the population because they right. don't, they don't know. They, they don't know what they don't know. And I love your analogy of, you know, changing where their food is because free or, or less expense is always an incentive for the consumer. Um, but ease of service or ease of access to service might be the most compelling of those priorities. You know, if, if, if I'm in, in bed with COVID, it would be a, a godsend to be able to pop open my phone and just use, just use an app to tell me, here's what's at your fingertips. Here's what's available to you right now. And oh, by the way, it's the cheapest way, most efficient way for you to get care and your patient responsibility is going to be the less, you know, a lesser amount. I mean, that's, that's the best of both worlds. So it's almost education. Yes, is important. It sounds like, but it's almost like a direction, a directive, more prescriptive behavior by the provider or by the plan 
to help direct that patient into true consumerism or improved consumerism in the in the industry. Would you agree? Definitely agree. I mean, the the crossroads between convenience and cost effectiveness is where healthcare consumerism has a chance. And that infrastructure needs to be laid at a strategy level related to plan design, optimal entry into the healthcare system. And then, you know, that's just common stewardship, you know, and there's really healthcare is this huge thing, but there's only a handful of, of ultimately shoppable services, right? right? Because a lot of them, they require a pre-auth or a referral or their benefit design excludes it if they don't, you know, run through primary care first or right. any of the other million flavors of benefit programs there are, which, you know, is part of the reason why it's so confusing. Because yep. right when you figure it out every year, your 12 months is up, new year, new plan, <laughs> let's go. And uh, so, you know, laying the infrastructure the right way which is an even more complex topic when you talk about who owns the infrastructure and shareholders value and all that kind of stuff. But simply healthcare consumerism, just, uh, you know, make it financially beneficial and more convenient for them and they'll do it. The same reason why all these other industries have become, you know, uh, overrun by consumerism is because of uh, cost effectiveness and convenience. Yeah. I mean, when you think of the hierarchy of needs (laughs) in our personal lives, our daily lives, take health out of it. Convenience almost trumps cost effectiveness every time. I mean, Amazon, you know, Amazon, some of these big brands now, they've made it so easy. I mean, it costs more to have H-E-B deliver your your groceries to your door, but time is the most expensive commodity there is. If it helps me save time, I'll spend a little bit more on it. And it sounds like it sounds like Health Wallet and other digital health solutions are 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 saying, yeah, save time. Here's a, here's a convenient way to do it, but also it's it's going to save you money in the long run. You talked about um, there's challenges to this, right? I, I guarantee you, um, you know, anybody listening to this podcast can understand the amount of data that goes into driving uh, driving personalized healthcare and care coordination and the the amount of data from the provider, the payer, even the patient and the patient's history, the health history that goes into making those recommendations and they change every 12 months. It's open enrollment time now. And, you know, whatever doctor you went to last year, maybe you're going to the same one this year. Maybe you can't, maybe you're not. And you have to learn those things every year. Um, So it goes back to this challenge of interoperability, the ability to bring those data sets together, consolidate, and understand the right decision, the right information at the right time. I can't imagine the challenges that that Health Wallet is facing and other digital health solutions are facing, trying to bring all that data together to deliver the right information to the right patient at the right time. Talk a little bit about, you know, those challenges that you've witnessed and how you might have overcome some of those interoperability challenges uh, recently. Well, I think for the same reason that, uh, you know, free market economics benefit healthcare, they also punish healthcare in terms of data availability and availability is the operative word because willingness to provide is synonymous in this 
context. And so, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the American healthcare system is for profit enterprise. And, you know, we, a lot of times just give, you know, a couple of 10 year trailing stock price <laughs> for United, Signet, and Humana, et cetera, just to kind of give you the full, the full view of how this whole thing's really working. But, um, We've actually, you know, the the impasse in like truly transparent healthcare is the willingness of the payers and the provider networks to divulge what they consider to be proprietary trade secret. And uh, that's not even necessarily getting into the EMR problems right. and the reason why they want to be sticky with their current provider customers. Um, so... The, you know, that's the inevitable true impasse collectively, but there's a whole huge gravitation of, of, uh, you know, health plan administrators and consultants that are bringing the benefits of self-funding your benefit plan way down market and, you know, leveraging purchasing consortiums and other things to make those sort of transactions financially feasible in, you know, in a smaller employer environment or market. And, and as a byproduct of that gravitation, you know, these folks are capable of deconstructing traditional health plans and all of the inevitable barriers that come with, you know, pull it off the shelf insurance and rebuilding them in a way that does allow you to financially align member and payer. And a lot of times that's, you know, not just cost. It's also healthcare outcomes and quality, you know, and that sort of thing. And so where we've really uh, made some traction at Health Wallet is working in the, the deconstructed and rebuilt health plan world, which isn't, you know, only commercial, it's union, it's, you know, community health plans, it's, you know, all sorts of different things that are, you know, boutique benefit plans, where, you know, somebody's doing it a little bit different and not just pulling one of the major payer commercial plans off the shelf and, and doing it that way. And so, right. you know, we help kind of perpetuate what they call the optimal care path, which is beneficial to me and subsequently the payer or the plan sponsor at the same time when everybody's kind of, you know, working harmoniously together. We take that, what we know to be, uh, you know, beneficial strategy and turn it into a mobile app with very obvious big buttons that mm -hmm. anybody knows how to do that emphasizes free care or whatever. Um, and sort of, you know, not necessarily fighting the data in availability, but perpetuating the, the stuff that's working. Yeah. And it's going to take everybody, right? You you know, whether you call it the member, you call it the patient, the provider, the plan, it's going to take all three working together, not only to provide the best service and experience, but also to to scale out, you know, this this healthcare industry so that everybody is getting what are they what they need out of the system. Um, you know, we all need different things from the system, whether you're a patient member or the provider holder. Or the plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it sounds like, it seems like if we can, you know, bridge the gap between consumerism expectation and consumerism behavior, there's something in it for everybody. Yep, agreed. And uh, 
the practical application of healthcare consumerism isn't putting the onus of true consumerism on the member right. or the, you know, the employee employee. It's just building a health plan that sucks them into the process, you know, as a byproduct yeah. of the entry being free and convenient and holding their hand through the, you know, the experience. Sure. And then it's more optimal care path adherence. And I feel like you can, you know, you can play within the confines of private equity owned health systems and pharmacy benefit managers, you know, pharmacy middlemen, and then the payers, all of which are kind of pulling at the big healthcare nucleus in their own way. Um, you know, mowing down a bunch of plan members with, you know, some stewardship, uh, what we'll, we'll call like competence level is just not practical. Uh, and so that's, yeah. that's what we think healthcare consumerism really is, is, is and I would, hurting the I masses. Would, I would agree with you when, when delivering prescriptive guidance to the member, to the patient, um, you know, there's, there's benefit there for there's cost containment for the plan and the provider it's probably more equitable for the provider as well, more profitable for the provider. It's these large health events. It's the emergency room visits that cost the most for them to render those kinds of services. It's the least profitable for them. And then whatever patient responsibility is left over, um, there's a general distrust in the bill, right? The patient responsibility amount that the patient oh, gets. Yeah. And so they're less likely to pay it. And if there's a large patient responsibility at the end of that, episode, um, more times than not, the provider is out that reimbursement anyway. Right. And, and so it seems like a, uh, a no brainer for, you know, these plans to start constructing these plans in a way, and then general giving general guidance and prescriptive guidance to the member to adhere to that plan as best as possible. Because like we talked about, there's, there's something in it for all of them. Uh, you talked about transparency too. I want to talk about that. There's, you know, some big legislation recently, um, you know, the No Surprise Act, which a lot of um, healthcare, digital health solutions and providers are, are paying attention to, trying to figure out, understand how this change in the industry is going to you know, affect their landscape. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about in prior conversations about how Health Wallet, you know, helps bridge that gap again. But, um, you know, the Surpri No Surprises Act really talks to and, and lends itself to that transparency topic that you, you mentioned in your last, your last answer. I think it ties back to the same thing. Uh, you know, transparency means folks divulging more information that they feel is proprietary than they're right. currently doing. And there's a handful of, you know, subcategories, health systems, payers, providers, all of which are tugging on the same pile of cash. And right. um, it's it's going to be difficult, I think, to reach full levels of transparency. You know, a lot of times, yeah. and we're even seeing this in like, you know, some of the commercial health plans. If you're a health plan member that can activate in a health plan's mobile app, then you can get to some 
cost and quality metrics, you know, in a private contained environment. Because a lot of these payers, you know, Blue Crossing and Humana, they consider not only their their provider, uh, you know, their provider lists, their reimbursement schedules, uh, and all of that to be proprietary right. secrets. Um, and so what we're doing is is leveraging the availability of third-party acquired data to to give some transparency insights at a member level. That said, it goes back to the same problem. What's beneficial to my plan sponsor doesn't necessarily register when I'm looking for child care, right? And so um, what we're seeing is legislation passed before it's, you know, functional. Possible. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the, and it, it just requires a level of data normalization for people that can't. And so, you know, there's a lot of organizations that have popped up in the interim that are, you know, working on trying to normalize that otherwise disparate data set into something that's, you know, matters. And they're just realizing that it's just, you know, in, whether it's intentionally or not the availability of the data in an, in an actionable way is, has got a long way to come. I agree. And so what, what ends up happening, or at least my experience is, you know, you get into this um, generalization of, of the expense or of, of the cost and, and then you might overpay and, and the patient experience really uh, is impacted anyways. You know, I, I think the no surprises act, which is intended for, the consumer, the patient, the member, whatever whatever term you want to use, um, so that there's no surprise upon you know services rendered. Mm-hmm. But it it could still be a negative experience if the transparency, quote unquote, that is provided is inaccurate. And uh, what I like about what we've talked about today is you know this idea that if there's a free option um, that I'm unaware of, that a service could deliver to me on a silver platter and say, hey, just so you know, this is an option for you. I think, you know, free is free. And if there's a $0 price tag to it, I'm going to take advantage of that every time. At least navigate or explore that option before moving on to something larger, unless it's an extreme emergency. And I think exactly. I think that's the key, right? I mean, I don't want to go into the emergency room unless I don't, unless I have to. Right. I don't want to take my kids there. Um, because of all the things that come with it. Not to be forgotten is the big price tag that comes afterwards. Um, so again, that, that education, that guidance uh, to those options really is, is a great way to navigate all of the recent, all of the recent legislation that's, that's intended for transparency and, and openness by the provider and by the plan for the patient. Yeah. So, so, you know, this this idea of you know highway to health and where are we on the journey? You've mentioned a little bit about the private equity and and the n- large number of digital health solutions that are in the marketplace today that I'm sure providers and even plans are tired of hearing from. You know that that are the next unicorn, the next silver bullet to solve all their problems. If if those digital health solutions were that effective, um, we should be seeing a tangible improvement in the cost of care, the transparency of the cost of care, and then the ultimate health uh, of the population, 
of the individual, of the member. Um, talk a little bit about tangible results that you, you, you might see or might not see within the healthcare industry due to, or maybe uh, despite the large private equity um, investment within digital health solutions. Yeah, it's definitely the hot one for sure. Um, you know, best comps, best upside, best story. What what you see is a is a lot of of uh, vertical integration strategy, where you know a lot of times private equity backed health plans incubate solutions out of it. You know, there's all sorts of what we'll call. Uh, extracurricular interests in doing business with certain solutions, not doing business with certain solutions uh, that creates a natural, you know, what we'll call a natural barrier to entry in this mm -hmm. world, commercial uh, adoption of these solutions is really where the, you know, the rubber meets the road, but you got to tell a really compelling story right. ahead of time. And so, you know, the saga continues and it's sort of a chicken and the egg, uh, situation out there and and you know obviously healthcare is a service that we are all unfortunately consumers of at some juncture and it's really the the least disrupted in terms of our mobile capabilities as humans um so you know uh we walk around benefits conferences and joke about getting solution fatigue you know because everybody's red hot and got the coolest new stuff um, you know, we've, we've sort of taken the approach in, in our benefits aggregation as a service journey to not betting too much on any particular integrated solution and riding the wave of relevance in collaboration with the health plans that we work with when they, when somebody makes it through, you know, the gauntlet and gets the deal, uh, you know, we get, we're sort of what we call a hybrid solution model. So we're aggregating services that we didn't necessarily curate all the time. And that, that gives us some insight into what's going on, who's doing what, um, you know, I'd say we're approached all the time with partnership opportunities and stuff with other digital health solution providers. And I mean this with the utmost level of respect, but nine out of 10 are, uh, full of it. And so, <laughs> you know, um, I feel like there's a huge gravitation of funding towards digital health and the ones that get it right are probably going to nail it and have some natural path towards acquisition to like an Amazon or somebody that really can, right. can give it legs. But, um, you know, for, for every one good solution, there's 12 new ones. And uh, I don't think that that's, a trend that's going to slow anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, you and I are sports guys. I think of the NFL, it's a copycat league and uh, healthcare can have some, some of the same tendencies. If something's right. working, if something's interesting, if something has legs to it, uh, there's going to be some competition there. There's going to yep. be others that pop up and want to do something similar. Um, and so I'm sure you face that all the time because health wallet seems like, um, some, you know, an organization that's got it figured out because ultimately we've got to change the behavior of the consumer. How else, what better way than to do it through, you know, something that we have attached to us all day, every day, which is our mobile phone. Right. 
Yeah, we uh, we're trying to take the complex and put it in your pocket, and you know, operate under the guise of your health plan loves you so much that here's how to get it for free, and big button, and uh, you know, quantify the impact of that on not only consumers and healthcare spend, but there's also you know efficiencies to be created in a lot of the member facing service units. You know what. Where's my ID card? What's my claim status? What's a doctor in network? How do I register for telehealth? You know, where's my pharmacy right. benefit? Whatever. All of that high volume, low complexity stuff is inherently self-service through, you know, your, like you said, your fifth permanently affixed appendage via Google or Apple. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think that's definitely where healthcare is going. That's, you know, what I think to be the I-10 of, uh, of health is at least towards a digital front door. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the highway uh, analogy there. That was good. I had to give it to you. <laughs> well, I, uh, I appreciate this information and I'm, I'm right there along with you. It's fascinating to me um, to see where, you know, been in healthcare about 10 years. It's fascinating to see where we started and where we're going compared to the ideal where, you and I as, and everybody as consumers of healthcare, you know, we, we want it to get there. I think we as individuals have to take a little bit of responsibility and change our behavior a little bit, maybe become a little bit more educated, but it's going to take all three players and sometimes more players than just the plan, the provider and the consumer to make this work and become, you know, the experience that we want it to be. But it sounds like we're making progress. Solutions like Health Wallet are integral in that in that progress and so thank you for what you're doing uh, thank you for your time today it's been an honor and i uh, can't wait to talk to you again yeah likewise man i appreciate it i enjoyed it very much